This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This, of course, is uh, Matt Splint. Um, I've had a scan through today's uh, topics for today's episodes, and it seems as though we're in for a lot of stories about Elon Musk. And there's some chewing gum. Are we uh, kicking off then with uh, Elon's Musk? No, we're kicking off by saying that this is the 219th episode of Matt's Blaine, and it's also the 219th birthday of Mr. Richard Bradbury. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to me. Thank you very much, Matt. My pleasure. Um, No, we're not starting off with uh, Mr. Musk because it is your birthday, so that's my gift to you. Uh Uh, we uh, We will get to him later. I thought that we could actually start with the news that uh, a mega flood could drown California. But then I realized that that's not really weird science anymore. That's, you know, just mm. pretty much expected from from day to day. So it, it is kind of getting harder and harder to, to get weird with these shows because weird is increasingly normal. Um, but never fear. I'm industrious. I'm hardworking. So I present to you Janet Jackson. Dude, I am no longer reading out any more of your dodgy 80s song lyrics. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> no. I wouldn't I wouldn't do that to you. I know that, especially as it's your birthday. Um, ah. But I do know that, you know, things are getting worse. We have to make them better. It's time to give a damn. Let's work uh, oh. together. Yes, yeah, so I'm uh, going to do the lyrics uh, myself. <laughs> no, um... Now, that was a lyric from Rhythm Nation, the yes. uh, 1989 song, a uh, hit song by Janet Jackson. This is the news that that song, Rhythm Nation, can actually crash hard drives. What? Now, yeah, exactly. I know that sounds really weird. When I read this story, I immediately thought, oh, it must be, you know, it must be the, the files corrupted on one of the streaming services. Mm. But then I thought, you know, most of us stream now. We don't actually download the file. True. And also, yeah. we listen to such a huge variety of streaming platforms and services in formats and different bit rates that it can't possibly be the same file each time. Now, as I said before, for those of you who are too young to know or care, Rhythm Nation was a, a massive global hit in 1989. It was accompanied by an iconic black and white video that was played absolutely everywhere in the early 90s i mean you could not escape it and it is one of those pop songs that pretty much everyone seems to love you know no matter what kind of style of music you're into it was just one of those kind of zeitgeisty songs it was the right Mm -hmm. tune and the right message for the times Mm -hmm. you know possibly because it was about racial harmony at this period where there was a lot of optimism you know communism had just fallen europe was reintegrating so if you don't know the song, do go and stream it, listen to it, but not until you've listened to the rest of this piece so that you can make sure it won't kill your computer. Right. Um, down to brass tacks then, how on earth does a song break a computer? Well, according to a post by Raymond Chen on Microsoft's DevBlogs site, the machines that are vulnerable uh, are largely old laptops uh, still running Microsoft XP, uh, and they're machines that used a particular brand of 5,400 RPM hard drives. Now, 
increasingly we use solid state storage, but you know, like most people, I've got a box full of old storage drives that I lie to myself that are in perfect working condition and are not rusted up. Um, and as I said, it's not the song file that's corrupt. You can crash a hard drive with the song just by playing the video on another device nearby. So wait, the track doesn't even need to be played on the devices it crashes no i mean this isn't even ghost in the machine stuff it's ghost outside the machine stuff it's you know it's almost like a storyline in a computer hacking show it's something that might have popped up in you know mr robot or a show like that it turns out that the song produces a resonant frequency that the disk drive responds to and that yeah and that the flaw has actually been known about since the drives were released According to Microsoft, the manufacturer added an audio filter to the hard drives that screened out the frequency from the song Rhythm Nation specifically so that the drives wouldn't be affected. I mean, how mind-blowing. This is fascinating. Exactly. Um, Surviving examples of those older laptops, you know, they may well have been modded and hacked around. So that raises questions about whether those filters will still be working. So if you have, or you are still using an old Windows laptop, you may want to skip playing Janet Jackson. But how is that for global domination? I mean, probably not what Jackson intended, but Ah. that's one heck of a legacy. Well, and, and it's also nice of you to do a Windows story for once. Uh, well, I'm going to follow it up with uh, Apple. Um, less weird with this one, more necessary. So Apple has announced vulnerabilities in the kernel of its operating system. And in WebKit, the uh, the software that underpins the Safari browser, mm. these weaknesses could enable hackers to exploit the vulnerability, uh, that vulnerability rather, and take full admin control of the device. The company has also had uh, reports of specific instances where the vulnerabilities have been exploited, but at the time we recorded this, they haven't reported any additional information, so we don't know what those uh, exploitations have been. Now, the bugs are not just uh, confined rather to the company's iPhones. They're also uh, on the iPads and Mac computers too. So it's recommended that if you do have an Apple device, you update the operating system as soon as possible to the latest patches with the security Mm. fixes. And are we starting to see uh, a few more security flaws like this, Matt? Well, Apple users have traditionally considered the the iOS and the Mac OS platforms to be more secure than other operating systems, you know, less vulnerable to viruses and exploits. But we've seen how spy software like Pegasus has made use of that complacency to you know, uh, make use of the so-called zero-day exploits. Now, these are flaws that OS manufacturers are not aware of, so they're not working on patches for. Uh, security companies like Zerodium will pay up to half a million dollars for exploits that can target a user through their browser. And according to media reports, the company will pay up to $2 million for exploits that enable an external party to take control of an iPhone without the user having to click on anything. So, you know, big business uh, in this latest exploit, it's thought that 
politicians, political activists, and journalists are likely to be at most risk of being targeted. But that's not a reason to skip the update if you don't fit into those car- uh, categories. The mechanics of unpatched vulnerabilities like this can quickly be spread and adapted by other uh you know, malicious users to create malware that targets devices for reasons ranging from ransomware to identity fraud. Mm. So once again, you know, that raises the question of how secure all that sensitive information and all the photos we routinely keep on our devices actually is. All right. Um, Do we have any more security issues we should mention uh, before we move on to our next topic? Yeah, I mean, a a lot of apps now have their own browsers. You know, for Mm. example, when you click on a link in Facebook or Instagram, very often you see the web page without leaving the app. Uh, Security researcher Felix Krause recently wrote about how those companies can use those browsers to track everything you do on any websites you visit. This includes things like clicking on ads, highlighting text, uh, when you take a screenshot, for example, and Mm. potentially any text or data that you add, including passwords and credit card information. Uh, Meta, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, has stated publicly that this mischaracterizes both the functionality and the intent of the JavaScript code injections that are used within these browsers. But Krause has recently found that TikTok's in-app browser goes a step further and that buried in the code in their browser is a keylogger that can record every key press and tap that you make. Yeah, I heard a little bit about this. Uh, How does this then compare to the uh, discoveries of the uh, Meta products tracking abilities? Well, for starters, you know, Facebook or Meta has been under this spotlight of privacy for quite some time. Yeah. TikTok has been under this kind of increasing spotlight over the the couple of years, uh, this increasing scrutiny of the way it handles data and the way it approaches privacy policies, especially regarding recent reports that US data from the apps was being collected by officials from the Chinese government. Now, the company has claimed that the key logging code is simply there to help them when they're debugging, and it forms part of an SDK kit provided by a third party that is not routinely activated. Now, wherever the truth lies, uh, what is the case is that as users, we have to be aware of the potential for our data and for what we do on those devices to be tracked. Uh, Personally, I don't like using in-app browsers. I normally copy the link and I open it in my preferred browser. Uh, When the app doesn't give me the option to copy that link and exit, then I will actually take the time to go to Google on my preferred browser and find the link and find the content that way. So recent updates to Apple's devices uh, now give users much more control over the way that apps and websites can track you on those devices. And I've seen the the kind of results of that. Um, The Facebook ad tracking for me is now wildly all over the place. I get adverts for uh, warehouses. I've had adverts for pumps. I mean, it genuinely doesn't know what to do with me at this point. This is an area that Google seems to be lagging. Now, you can draw draw your own conclusions about that. But, um, you know, we have to start getting into the mindset that although these are our personal accounts, it's not our personal information, which is a reminder to me as well that I still haven't gotten around to doing that episode on decentralized social media. 
All right. Um, now then, what shall we uh, go into the break with? Uh, it's going to be hard to be a little bit weirder than Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation and crashing, crashing hard drives. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I was going to get you to say disc crashing ditties, but I know you're not a fan of alliteration, <laughs> so I'm saying it myself. But I think disc crashing ditties is probably going to be one of the highlights of my year. Um, uh, so let's celebrate that with... The only thing we can, dolphins. Um, sure. The, well, I mean, why not? <laughs> exactly. Uh, the US Navy has released swim cam footage from some of its naval dolphins. Now, mm -hmm. the US Navy has long had dolphins that are trained to guard harbors and look for mines. And they wanted to know more about how the dolphins behave and they communicate in the water. So they mounted cameras on them that would capture images and sounds as they swam in the open seas. And the result is really fascinating. Uh, on a lot of the cameras, uh, dolphins rather, the cameras are mounted on their sides so that you can see the eyes and the nose of the mammals. So you can watch them as they feed. And it's weird because they literally inhale the fish. They slurp them wow. down. They, they create this kind of vortex in their mouths that pulls the, the fish down. It's not like a chomp down and, and swallow. It's just like sucked uh, it's quite amazing. And they were more surprised, I think, that the dolphins would also catch and eat, eat creatures like sea snakes as well. They didn't expect them to have kind of mm. sea snakes in the diet. And the research uh, also, well, the video footage shows how the dolphins' eyes track their prey. Uh, so the eyes swivel around even as the fish jump out of the water. So they're following them at, at all times. Um, so, you know, the ethics of weaponizing dolphins aside, the research team plans to repeat the experiment by putting cameras on wild dolphins to see if their feeding habits, behaviors, and communication patterns are the same as their naval trained counterparts. Now, if you want to watch some of that footage, just Google it. It's all over the internet at the moment. Fascinating. Um, and I guess then when we, when we come back, we'll finally get to Elon Musk and uh, chewing gum. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, you, you tuned into Matt Splint here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Books, figurines, movies. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Matt's Blaine. Um, Matt, I think it's going to be hard to beat Janet Jackson and the Dolphins. Uh, and it kind of worries me that I have to ask you this question. What are we doing with Elon Musk? <laughs> well, before I get there, I mean, what a great name for a band, Janet and the Dolphins. Um, yeah. Especially if you played some really, like, nasty, deep, unpleasant music. Mm. Um, that would be a great name. No, um... Elon Musk. Well, we're getting to Elon Musk because he's actually creating or wants to create the perfect place to go and watch that film of dolphins eating fish. Uh, now, stay with me for a minute here. Um, <laughs> Drive-in cinemas staged a bit of a renaissance in popularity during the pandemic, which is understandable. You know, people yeah. would rather watch a movie out in the open, um, inside the safety of their cars, 
rather than crowded into indoor theater screenings. But it is, you know, very weather dependent. Most places around the world don't really have the kind of climate that makes drive-ins a kind of year-round possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but one person who seems to think they have a future is Elon Musk. Now, Musk tweeted as far back as I think 2018, which is like a millennium compared to most people's <laughs> tweeting history. I mean, 2018 in Musk's tweets is like, you know, some prehistoric era. Um, but he said back in 2018 that he was planning to open a diner with a drive-in uh, that would have wake staff on roller skates uh, at one of Tesla's supercharger stations in Los Angeles. Now, that vision finally seems to be coming to fruition, according to plans lodged for a site on Hollywood's Santa Monica Boulevard, which I don't think anyone can say without hearing the uh, song playing in their head. Um, uh, The thing will also include a 200-seater restaurant, as well as two movie screens and a rooftop bar, in addition to over 30 Tesla charging points. And according to a report in Gizmodo, the plan is that when you drive into the restaurant, the menu will just be beamed automatically to the screen of your Tesla. Now, it does sound, you know, very 1950s sounding. Do you think, though, that this is more of like a... Uh, a Musk personal indulgence rather than uh, indulgence rather than a uh, commercial product. Well, you know there is that thing about um, millionaires and billionaires suddenly deciding they want to open restaurants and yeah. become socialites and and things like that. But famously, Elon Musk has little to no interest in food. So the <laughs> idea that he wants to be a restaurateur is pretty much unlikely. I think this is probably more of a kind of proof of concept type idea. Mm. Uh, the Gizmodo piece makes a point of looking at the 1950s origin of the idea, as you mentioned, this Mm -hmm. supposed golden era of the US that was, of course, nothing of the kind. And it questions Musk's vision of the future. You know, if his idea of society is rooted in the hierarchies and the kind of social and political repression of the 1950s. But I think that sort of comment that criticism kind of misses the point. A lot of Musk's ideas and the eventual design of his products have a slightly kitsch element to them. I mean, yeah, they always yeah. have. Uh, the, the the whole idea of the Hyperloop has 1950s sci-fi written all over it. You know, that was a period where networks of vacuum tubes would whisk messages around large offices. Mm. And the Hyperloop is basically a vacuum tube for people. You know, Physically, what could be more 1950s than that? So I do think those criticisms are a a little kind of knee-jerk and petty. Do you think then it's more of a behavioral proof of concept? Yeah. I mean, I think in this case, the commercial aspect is secondary. Obviously, putting it on Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood, you know, you've got that... um, that kind of advertising potential, it becomes like a society thing. Um, But it is behavioral and it is also cultural. Um, Back on episode uh, 207, we talked about uh, what to do with all that aging fossil fuel infrastructure, the petrol and gas filling stations, you know, all of this stuff that we have for carbon burning vehicles that we won't need when the world is fully electric. Mm. Uh, You know, those filling stations were also cultural. Those forecourts opened countries up. 
roads were improved, new roads were built, you were able to to take you know these rapid journeys between destinations that may have taken days before mm-hmm. and those filling stations have become social gathering points themselves half the time the, the petronas station near my ma- uh, my house seems busier than the local mall i mean it's always full of parked cars people who are coming to use the atm people who are coming to get some snacks from the forecourt cafe or grab some essentials at the convenience store and I think, as we said at the time, uh, growing up in the UK, petrol stations were the only places that were open late at night or on yeah. a Sunday. You know, as a student, I think I spent about half my life walking to the all-night garage for chocolate at 2 a.m. You're not on your own there, my friend. Um <laughs> But why is a retro diner um, a behavioural experiment for the world of tomorrow? Because our behaviour will have to evolve to accommodate electric vehicles. At the moment, right. we we drive into a petrol station to fill up the car. With mm. EVs, we have to build refuelling into the lifestyle. Uh, we have to have charges at home. We need to have, you know, uh, maybe we'll have charges when we park at the office. I think we spoke during that episode uh, 207 about the possibility that in the future, a charging dock will be attached to every parking spot, you know, just as the norm, uh, rather than as it is now where you get a handful in special locations. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that we will go to charge the car in the same way that we now go to put petrol in one. We'll incorporate that charging into daily life. And I think these diners are an extension of that. You know, forget the, the 50s styling. That's kind of irrelevant. The screens are there because you can watch a short film in the 30 minutes it takes to charge your car. Similarly, mm-hmm. you know, you can grab a bite to eat or have a drink. And when you're done, the car is charged. You know, what the concept really takes from the 1950s is that social idea of doing things that revolve around the car itself. Got you know, it. rather than what we do now, which is take the car to a mall, park the car, and then we go and walk around. That 50s idea was more about doing things in the car, you know, going to the drive-in, going to the drive-through. And I think that's the part of the idea that's really the important one here. And do you think we're likely to see uh, Tesla, I don't know, turning into a diner brand? I think that part's probably unlikely. I think you'll see it more as a kind of something that a, a third party operator will take over, you know, that, that kind of franchisee type of endeavor. Uh, the Gizmodo piece points out that Musk's brother is in the restaurant trade. So mm. um, it's quite probable that his company or an entity created by him would end up being the eventual operator of these, you know, charging stations with diners if the idea works. And there are already things like convenience stores at Tesla supercharger stations. Apparently, there's even a swimming pool at one in Germany. So, yeah, in the same way that that we will see this extension of EV charging grids beyond the kind of charging locations we have now, I think we will also see those concentrated charging points, perhaps ones that are more highway-based, becoming more socially and leisure oriented. Um, Do you want to talk about Optimus Prime? What? From Tesla to Transformers. Um, Sorry about the alliteration there. It was absolutely uh, unavoidable. But uh, no, uh, no Transformers, just from Tesla to Tesla. Um, 
Yeah, sorry. Um, bit of a letdown for your birthday. Um, Elon Musk has uh, promised that he will launch Optimus, uh, Tesla's humanoid robot, this year, uh, claiming in a piece for China's cyberspace magazine uh, recently, he um, mentioned that the robot will be about the size and weight of an ordinary human. Now, personally, I've got my doubts that it can be that light um, or that it will be commercially ready this year. But, you know, genuinely, what do I know? Um, what is maybe more interesting is Musk's idea of what the machine will do, which is perhaps rooted as much in the 1950s as that diner idea. His idea is that it will do cooking, cleaning, wash the dishes, you know, do menial tasks around the home. But we already have technology solutions for a lot of those. You know, we can order Grab Food or Uber Eats instead of cooking. Uh, we've got robo vacuums, dishwashers we've had forever. He also made the point in the piece that one day household robots will be cheaper than cars, uh, which gives you an idea of what their pricing is going to be like, and uh, that we will be able to give them as presents to our loved ones. So, you know, it's that cheaper than cars that really made my eyes wiggle. Um, personally, I hate doing washing up. And when I say I hate washing up. I mean, I detest it. And I avoid it by washing everything as I go um, so that I never have to wash more than one or two things at any one time. Yes, I, I, I concur. And that, that is a way forward, either that or a dishwashing machine. Anyway, um, yeah, you are the weirdest part of weird science, so Matt. Yeah, and you're completely wrong about the dishwashing machine um, because I hate the way they store up the dishes and the implements and it's such an effort to put them away. However, even with all of these psychologists attracting hang-ups, there's no way I'd pay the equivalent of a car for a robot to do the washing up for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you wonder who on earth is Optimus for if it's going to cost more than a car, especially when he envisages it pushing a lawnmower around to cut the grass. You could employ <laughs> landscapers for years just for the cost of that machine. So at least when you look at the kind of terrifying Boston Dynamics robots, we know that they're the scary robocops of the future. We know they're going to chase us down like we're Matt Damon on a mission to get off planet. I'm not sure we really buy into the idea of some wobbly garden gnome that costs half as much as your house. But <laughs> as I said before, genuinely, what do I know? All right. And um, so what, what could we possibly end with today then? What have you got up your sleeve? Well, not so much up my sleeve. Um, it's ch the chewing gum. We promised oh, you yeah. chewing gum, and here's the chewing yeah. gum. Um, the substance, beloved of children and uh, hated by teachers, at least back when I was at school. Now, new research suggests that chewing gum while at rest could increase the body's energy expenditure by as much as 15%. Uh, researchers at the University of Manchester, now I've just watched Richard do a, a, a double take on my video <laughs> screen. What? So um, researchers at the University of Manchester tested a group of around 21 subjects aged 18 to 45. Why is it always 18 to 45? That means they're not interested in me anymore. I don't know why I should... Or, or me, like mate. Yeah, yeah I know. precisely. Um, anyway, um, 
they chewed a tasteless calorie-free gum. Um, and I know that sounds gross, but they were trying to minimize the stimulation that the gum gives to the digestion system because that would probably cause them to burn more energy, so it might cloud the results. They uh -huh. wanted to see what the pure action of chewing does to energy expenditure. How do they measure the energy? With even more weirdness, um, the subjects had to wear a plastic dome over their heads while they chewed. <laughs> uh, sensors would monitor their oxygen intake and the corresponding release of carbon dioxide. So they're able to calculate it from the inputs and outputs. Right, uh, they right, were right. tested um, wearing the dome and not chewing to create a base level. Then they were given the gum to chew. Uh, some participants were given a soft gum, others were given a harder gum, and with the soft gum, energy expenditure increased by around 10%, and with the hard gum, by around 15%. Um, so are you going to try and chew yourself thin? I mean, it is a really nice idea, isn't it? Just to sort of sit there <laughs> chewing and, and lose weight. But no, it, it's still a, a relatively small amount overall. You know, you're increasing the amount of energy you use while you're doing absolutely nothing by mm. 15%. So you're increasing not very much by a small percentage. So, you know, you'd be better off just standing up and walking around a bit. But sure, you know, if you are stuck at a desk, why not chew a bit of gum? Just don't stick it under the desk. Oh, thank you very much for that, Matt. Where can people find out more information? Uh, they can follow me on Instagram at CultureMatt. Uh, they can sign up to the CulturePop newsletter on Substack. That's culturepop.substack.com, where I put things out uh, theoretically around three times a week. So those are just small stories, updates on the shows and things like that. That's the best way to keep up. Wonderful. And if you missed any part of this particular podcast, don't forget you can download it wherever you normally get it from. Uh, we recommend the BFM app. It's available at the Apple App Store or Google Play. My name is Rich Bradbury for BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.